Bob, Bob leaned over and worshiped and said, what's the Lord doing right now? What are you, what are you hearing? I was like, I, I don't know. Um, I said, I, I'm going to wait till we bump into it. Uh, <laughs> and, and I said this, I think the Lord was doing a lot of different things, a lot of different people's hearts. For, for some, I felt like, and I'm not going to call you out because I don't want to embarrass you, but for some, I even saw like, like weight being lifted off of your shoulder as you began to worship the Lord. And, and you probably feel a little bit lighter when you leave this house. You're going to feel lighter today. <laughs> not, not because you lost a bunch of pounds, but because you lost weight in the spirit, spirit and some stuff you've been carrying. And so I'm just really thankful. I, I did feel like this. Like, I want to just say a few things. And then I, I really, at the end here, there's something I think that's really important. And, and this, I'll, I'm going to come back to this, what I'm about to say here towards the end. But what we do in those moments defines how far and deep in the Lord we go. Okay, and not just here at church. Okay, not just here at church. What, what you do with these moments when you encounter the Lord Monday morning, okay, determines how far and how deep in the Lord you go. It, it determines the level of intimacy that you walk in the Lord. And so it's not, it's, it's not, sorry, it's not... I shouldn't have my phone up here. Chad Bohai just texted, and he just said something really profound. So he said, the Lord's moving really powerfully right now at your church. I just heard it. So there you go. Uh, and he's in California. So, And we're not live streaming this morning. So there you go. Lord's good. What we do with these moments determines how far and deep how we go. And, and, and if we really do believe in generational legacy that our children are t- going to take it further than we ever do and go deeper than we ever go, then it's up to us to steward these moments well. And, and what we have the last hundred years in just the church in America in general is we have these moves of God that, that come forth and we have the Lord moving in different bodies and doing all these things and then eventually it fizzles and peters out. And, and I believe the Lord is raising up a people to where it doesn't have to fizzle out, right? He's raising up a people to where we actually say, here you go. Take what we've given you. It's better than what we had initially inherited and run with it rather than be like, here, take this mess and fix it. Okay, and I'm not, I'm not trying to give an indictment. I'm just saying if you study revival history, that's, that's kind of the story. And so we're, we're in the season of communion as a church, and, and I, believe it's, I believe it's what the Lord's asking us to do because I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that, that intimacy is the gate for revival. It's, it's, it's the thing that initiates. I wrote this on Facebook this morning. It's that intimacy is the thing that initiates sustains and actually increases what we're beginning to inherit and experience. And it cannot be fueled like I think we study as ones, study to show ourselves ones approved. Like, like I believe in education. I'm currently enrolled in educational classes. Like, but we cannot get to where the Lord wants us to go by reading it in a book, okay? Well, now, we can get some of it from reading this book, but I mean, we're not going to get a how-to in where the Lord is taking us, if you will. And, and so, so we have to get alone with Him. We have to walk in, 
covenant relationship with him. And this is what he's asking. So in John 17, I'm going to use several passages today, but in John 17, verse uh, 22 and 23, John 17 is this beautiful prayer. I actually prayed part of it uh, over us last week. But it's this beautiful prayer that Jesus actually prays for us right now. He's praying that, that we get filled. He's praying that we, we know the Lord. He's praying that we get sanctified. He's praying all these things. You get to verse 22, and he says, The glory which you, he's talking to the Father. He says, The glory which you have given me, I give to them. You can't take a measure of glory. You have to inherit it, okay? He says, I give to them that they may be one just as we are one, and I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. And so Jesus prays this beautiful prayer that, that, that he says, I've given them glory, and I'll read that word here in just a minute, but then he says, I pray that they have unity with each other as Jesus and the Father have unity, and then Jesus says, I pray that you would be in them as you're in me, and I would be in them as I'm in you. Like he just, he, it's this picture of intimacy with him that he's calling his people to be, and by that intimacy is how we're recognized. Okay, we're not recognized because we have the Christian bumper stickers. Okay, we're not recognized because we wear the Christian T-shirts that I like just drive me absolutely bonkers. We're not recognized by those things. You're not even recognized because you learned a Christianese type of language in which we can speak. We're recognized because of the union that we experience with Him and one another, and the familial type of relationship that the Lord is beginning to develop in this church. I really think over the last month is, I believe, is what will cause a, a jealousy, if you will, and those that do not know the Lord, they'll think, how in the world do these people love each other this way? And we can honestly say it's supernatural because it does not make sense. I'm, I'm sorry, like where I grew up, like, like I look around the room and we have, and I don't mean this derogatory whatsoever, but we have people from every generation, young and old, we have people that are hipsters. We have people that aren't. We have rednecks. We have all these people that you put them in a room. It's just the truth. You put them in the room, and they do not go together other than the Holy Spirit has brought us all together for such a time as this. Okay? So I, so, so I don't feel like whatever. I don't know. And we got them from all over the country. <laughs> he says, the glory which I've given you. Glory, doxa, means splendor. It means brightness. It means honor, greatness. It means the power. It means heaven that's within them. He says, I have given them heaven within them. I've given them a brightness so that they shine, Right? Like the worst song we can teach our kids is this little light because there's nothing little about the light that lives inside of you, right? And if you taught them, I'm sorry, I just don't care for it. 
<laughs> it, 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 it's, it's meaning that, that he says, I've given them splendor and honor and greatness in the spirit. Uh, the, the word glory in the Old Testament is kabod. It means the weighty presence of God. It means that, that, that wherever we go, there's a weight to, to what we say and what we do. And so it's like you can get around someone and they don't even have to announce that they're born again. Because sometimes you can talk to someone in public and they say something. You're like, man, there's weight on those words. What's the weight on their words? I think it's Christ in them, the hope of glory, right? And so here's this beautiful picture of what the, Jesus prayed for us. And all this is rooted in intimacy. It's like if we pray, Lord, let us be a powerful people. Like It makes no sense whatsoever to pray that if it's not rooted and grounded in intimacy because then it just becomes weird and perverse, all right? And again, I think communion with God or intimacy with the Lord is what revival actually is. And so like we could define it like all sorts of ways. It's signs, wonders, miracles. It's people getting saved, healed, delivered, sanctified, set and free. It's, it's, it's churches growing. It's all these things. It's, it's neighborhood transformation. Did you, like I saw this the other day. Did you, maybe you all knew it, but like I just thought, Lord, you are so good. Because I drove down the road just the other morning and right where they just closed down a the restaurant, they opened up a Dunkin' Donuts. I think. I'm sorry, I think there's going to be Duncan in heaven. <laughs> so, but there's one, right? But, but, but on a serious note, in a serious note, in a place where, where business was not thriving, I believe because the Lord is starting to live in this area, if you will, is bringing healing to the land where new businesses begin to move in and begin to prosper. That's Second Chronicles 7.14. You can look at that, okay, if you want. But revival, I think, is communion, and communion is right, revival. And it's not just a bunch of services, okay? It's, it's not just a bunch of people. It's not just a bunch of stuff happening. I think point blank, it's just intimacy with the Lord. And you can't write a blueprint for intimacy. You cannot write a seven-point list how to be intimate. You just can't do it. I'm sorry, husbands, if, 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 if you took your wife out and you surprised your wife and, 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 and it was a great time with your spouse, I promise you if you did the exact same thing again, they would probably catch on to what you're trying to do. You can't, you can't script intimacy. That's why in, in the story of Noah's Ark, right, he said, be fruitful and multiply. And, and he gave all these very distinct directions on how to build the ark and what size it was and how many animals, all these things. And he's like, all right, now you're going to repopulate the planet. Just go do that. Well, how do you do that? You can't script it. So when you start to hear the Lord in this season, I, I think the Lord, it's like, well, Lord, we want revival, we want revival. Just keep walking in intimacy with the Lord. All throughout history, men and women that have been used mightily by God are people that got alone with Him and waited to do anything until He spoke. It's just the truth. And... <laughs> huh. you, like... I'm serious, you would, you would be amazed. You'd be amazed at some of the people we've had the honor to meet. And you ask them what their life's like. And, and they have a life that's like out here in public. That's what people see. That's what people see and that's what people get enamored by. But most of what you see out here is when the lights are turned off. There's no one in the room except for them and the Lord. And they're just spending time with him. 
reading their Bibles, praying, just spending time, just spending time, just spending time, just spending time. That's it. Or throughout their day, they're talking to the Lord while they're going throughout their day. And, and I promise you, like, it's so much more difficult to walk in that because it's so easy to get distracted. Which, by the way, I'm learning, that's why we have Sabbath, by the way, is <laughs> because it breaks the routine and forces you to rely on the Lord on that day. That's, I mean, here's, here's a picture of, of the Israelites being rescued out of Egypt. Egypt was a, a slave-based nation. They were expected to produce and make all kinds of stuff. And, and Pharaoh was constantly saying, make more, make more, make more, make more. And they worked themselves to a frenzy. And the Lord says, when he rescued them out of Egypt, he says, I'm a different kind of God than the gods that you're serving there. I'm a God that actually wants you to live out of rest and intimacy. And so he initiates the Sabbath, which is a beautiful thing. And like, again, this is something like I knew about it, but I'm just like, it's just this whole new thing opening up. But here's this picture of the God of Israel saying, let me rescue, rescue you out of slavery and set you into freedom and into rest. And it's mind boggling to me because he had them take Sabbaths when they were fleeing Egypt. So here's the enemy chasing them. He says, no, I still want you to rest because while you're resting, I'm still working. And while you're resting, you're experiencing communion with me and intimacy with me, and I'm still working for you. I think that's why Moses could say, you need not fight. You only need to stand still, right? So, so here's, it's, that was free. I don't know where that came from. That's been real big this week in my heart. Now, here, here's the next thing. A life of communion allows us to inherit a greater measure of revival. A life of communion allows us to inherit a greater measure of revival. And, and so, so that's why in Joshua 33.11, I'm sorry, Exodus 33.11, Joshua, uh, uh, Moses is at the tent of meeting, and I've preached from this verse before, but Moses is at the tent of meeting, and he hears from God, and he goes and he tells the people what the, the Lord had said. And this is so fascinating. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Like that right there. He used to speak to him face to face. And when Moses returned to camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, which, by the way, I think is a picture of what we're believing the Lord's going to do with our kids and grandkids in this church, that it's not just those of us that's walked with the Lord for years, but in all likelihood the Lord's going to use the kids coming up after us to really walk powerfully and mightily with the Lord, okay? But, but a young man would not depart from the tent. And we know that Joshua was the one that was qualified to, to lead the Israelites into the promised land, and I think it's because of this verse right here. I think there was a couple things. One, he didn't get freaked out when he went and scouted out the promised land. But two, when everyone else was trying to leave the presence of the Lord, Joshua camped out right there and just said, I'm going to live my life in this. I, want to, I saw Moses spoke to him face to face. Maybe he'll speak with me face to face. I think that's what qualifies us to inherit it. And so it says he would not depart from the tent. The word depart, it means that he would not withdraw. He would not leave. He would not move away. He actually would not leave sight of the tent. He would not leave 
uh, uh, one's thoughts. And so here's this, it said he would not leave one's thoughts. So here's this picture of Joshua saying, I'm going to stay right here because Lord, I know you're dwelling right here and I don't want you to take your mind off of me. I think if we're going to inherit what the Lord wants us to inherit and begin to see what we're starting to see to the greater Jesus help, what we're going to see at a greater degree, it starts with that thought right there that when he shows up, it's like, I don't know what we're going to do. And I'm so thankful the Lord is teaching us to respond in those moments. I turned around and looked and everyone's responding differently in that moment, but everyone was responding nonetheless. And we were not in a hurry to move on because what he's doing in that moment is more important than the next lyric that one of the team can sing. And it's more important than what I can say from the pulpit. I'm just telling you, it's more important to hear from him. Now, this stuff is deeply, deeply important, but when he's here like that, it's like, let's just stop because we, like, he's, like, he's who we came here for anyway. (laughs) So, so if he's who we came here for anyway, it's like, all right, we, well, we don't, let's just wait and see what he does and what he speaks. And it's just this beautiful picture of what the Lord desires to do. And I think the Lord's raising up a people that says, your presence will be the one defining thing of my life. Intimacy with you will be the one defining thing of my life. I will not depart from it. I will not turn from it. I'm going to live this lifestyle because I believe this lifestyle qualifies me to step into the promised land. And what's the promised land? I, I have no idea. I just think it's it's probably a picture of Matthew 6.10 on earth as it is in heaven, right? It's not waiting until the sweet by and by. And maybe if a group of people just get so obsessed with him that he starts to come and we wait and we respond to what he's doing in that moment and we steward those moments, which I'll talk about here in just a second, but we steward those moments and we get to see the things we've read about. We get to see the things we've prayed for. We get to see the things that, that the great cloud of witnesses have prayed for before they went off into heaven. Like we get to start seeing these things. She's not here. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, she's not here. I'm gonna, I, I, it's okay, I think, for me to tell this story. I got a text from Missy the other day. And she says, is it weird that I was listening to a Chris Stapleton song And that song is, you make me want more of you. And it's a man singing to his wife. And she said, the Holy Spirit just came into my living room when I heard that. And she starts singing as a prayer to the Lord. I I think that's a picture of what revival actually is, folks. I'm I'm glad you all don't get offended about that. I just think it's beautiful. Now, communion with the Lord, it helps us steward the encounters. And this is, I say all that, like this will probably be the most important thing I share today. Okay? Because again, what we do with these moments defines where we go in the Lord and how far. What we do with these moments dictates what our kids get to experience 20 years from now. I'm just, I'm absolutely convinced of it. I'm not trying to give you a scare tactic. I'm just like, it's like, why do we keep starting over and starting over and starting over, right? So, so look at this. Look at Revelation 3. Revelation 3. Thank you, Lord. Oh, and I forgot that passage. That's good. Revelation 3. I'm going to read the first eight verses. Um, to the angel of the church of, in Sardis write, 
By the way, fun fact, if you look at the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the two churches that were judged the most harshly are actually the two towns and or cities that are no longer in existence today. You can go find all the others, but the two that are no longer on the planet, there's no one living there, are the two that the Lord spoke the most harshly to. So apparently they didn't listen. All right. To the angel in the church of Sardis write, he who, is, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name and you are alive, but, and, like, and it's like, yes. And then he's like, but you're dead. I'm like, no. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you don't wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I'll come to you. But you will have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I'll confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Oh. Here's, I'm just going to be real frank for just a little bit, okay? Here's the danger of encounters. Here's the danger of experiencing what we just experienced a few minutes ago. The danger is, is that you're responsible for what you just experienced. The thing that frightens me the most the thing that frightens me the most is this is that in any church setting but I'm just going to use our house for example, is that we, have a, we do have a different language. We, we say some things differently. And that's not to be different. That's just what the Lord's given us. But, and, and, and our worship's a little different. But the thing that scares me to death is we can learn a language but never get assimilated into the culture, if that makes sense, Right? The thing that scares me is, is like we, we learn all the tendencies, all the customs. It's like, I, like, like when we lived in Louisiana, we learned some of the customs, but I never was Cajun fully, right? I just, I just learned what they did, and I could, I could respond and act. I could, like at funerals, their funerals are very, very different in Louisiana. And like I could do what I needed to do there, but it didn't actually mean that I was one of them. It meant that I learned to do what I had saw someone else do. And so, so the danger, and, and now I'm not pointing anyone out. I just felt like I'd just give a warning, okay? But the danger is we can hear some things said. We can hear people pray things like, like Bob prayed Papa. Like you can pray Papa and not have the revelation that he's Abba, right? And that just comes from when Jesus says Abba, which means translates as Papa, Father, or Daddy. And so like it's this, and like I, I, it, you can hear those things and you can adapt that. But until it migrates from here down to here, there's a very big danger in it. And the danger is this. The danger is that we can 
behave and respond this way in this environment. But when you go home, all hell's going to break loose. And until it becomes real, you'll actually lose what happened in this moment. So that's, like, that's my fear. And so, so look, look at verse 2. At verse 2, he says, Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. I've not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Here's what I believe. These encounters or these moments when you have the tears or these moments when you don't know what to do or say and you just do this and you just enjoy the Lord's presence or you start to hear Him or, or the hair on your neck stands up and sometimes you don't feel nothing at all but you know the Lord's in the room or the fear of the Lord rolls in. Like, like those are invitations to go further and deeper in the Lord than you've ever been. It's, it's not like, like if all we come here is like, oh, I just want to come here so I can have a feeling you're missing the point we come here because he's inviting us deeper that that's what those are it's like the engagement it's it's like this when when when, let me say i actually think it's more than an engagement i think it's the i do moment in the wedding when april said i do and i said i do we i mean you understand we were like all right that was good enough like when we went and lived two separate lives that's not what you do when you get married that's the beginning of a lifetime of intimacy with another individual and so when you have these moments begin to ask the lord what are you speaking to me in this moment because you're actually giving me permission to walk closer with you than i've ever walked it's the absolute, absolute truth. And again, it scares the living daylights out of me because I think sometimes I, I've missed lots of invitations in my life. I got more caught up, I got more caught up into what I was experiencing rather than what the Lord was doing. I'm just being honest. He said, strengthen. <laughs> I've not found your deeds, your work, your doings good. He's like, I haven't found them completed. What's, what's he saying? Like, when you meet the Lord in those moments, it's like, it's like he deposits a seed, if you will. And that seed takes time to grow and to nourish until you see a tree coming up out of that, if that makes sense, right? It, it, it completed means to be completely certain, to be accomplished, to be fully done. And, and, and so, so I think it's a picture of this. When, like, like, like if you come up front, you're like, I don't know why I'm going up front, but the Lord's just called me to go up front, and the Lord's just called me to come up front to pray. And when you get in that moment, whatever happens in that moment, that the Lord, he's like, okay, great, here's a little bit of my nature, and he puts it inside of you. And it's up to you with what you do with that. It's not up to your spouse. It's not up to your pastor. It's not up to the preacher on the Internet. It's up to us what we do with that. Now, again, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to say that when he comes, it's a gift from heaven. I'll, I'll never forget. Melissa knows I've said this because she's heard Dan tell this story. And, and my buddy Todd said something similar to Dan, and I didn't know this. My buddy Todd, Todd Puckett, the pastor's revived church. This is a Nazarene church in Seattle, and it's, it's like heaven on earth there. And they're like five years ahead of what we're doing. It's just, it's just incredible. I remember, and I'm just, again, I'm not telling you this to exalt my, I'm just telling you that this is just my heart. 
because this is what I, I believe the importance of stewarding. That when I met Dan and when I really decided I was going to go after the kingdom, I told, I told him, I said, I'm not a bad investment. I'm not going to waste anything you pour into me. My buddy Todd said, any seed that you give, will not, I will not let fall to the ground. So in other words, it's, it's coming to the point where like, Lord, if you do something in my life, I'm not going to waste it. I'm not going to waste it. I'm not going to wait five years of, it's, it's like, I'm not going to wait five years of knowing what I'm supposed to do. I'm actually going to go ahead and start walking in it to the best that I can right now. And that's not saying, that's not saying that I'm not going to mess up. That's not saying that I won't fall short. That's not saying that I won't drop the ball. But there is grace that will pick us back up and help launch us forward, right? And so he empowers us. And so I'm saying there are things that he has started in us. And the word says that he is faithful to bring to an end or bring to completion what he has started. And I think sometimes we forfeit what he has started because of our unwillingness to steward it. I mean, practically, it'd be like this. If, first of all, like Taylor Jewell grows cactuses, right? And I'm like, I'm thinking, if you want a cactus to die, let me raise it. If you want anything green to die, let me raise it, right? Because it takes, you got to make sure it gets sunlight. You got to make sure it gets enough water. And it would be as ridiculous. I think sometimes we take the mindset like, if you give me a plant, I know it's going to die because I'm not going to water it. But it would be really stupid of me to think, why is it not living when I haven't done the things and given it what it needs to be nourished, right? And we expect the same thing. It's like the Lord, boom, I had this moment. The Lord called me deeper and nothing changes in my life. That's why he says to repent because repent means to change the way that you think. It's not change the direction you are. That's a byproduct of repentance. Metanoia means to change your mind, which is the word for repentance. And so, so when he says repent, He's saying, you were thinking this way, but because you had that encounter, now you can think a different way, and therefore the trajectory or the direction of your life will change. And so, so, so we, we, we've had moments recently where we're like, I'm repenting. And, and it wasn't a moment of like, I'm really sorry for what I've done. Granted, there was some remorse for what we've done. But it's like, I'm thinking differently than I was. New paradigm, that's good, dear. Hmm. So I'm saying, let's not forfeit what he's doing. Let's not forfeit. Like, practically, and I don't say this to make you feel guilty. I say, I'll just, let me use myself for an example. Give me altar calls I've answered the last 13 years. I, I, I'm asking because I don't know. It's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot. <laughs> it has been a lot. And I know looking in the room, a lot of you have responded to the word that was spoken over and over and over again. You know how many times I've responded to altar calls for the exact same thing over and over and over? over like if it's ang- like early on, it was anger or greed, or idolatry, right? It's all these things that I'd wrestled with. And I responded over and over and over again. And I thought, well, I felt good in the moment because I responded to what was done. And I knew the Lord was in that moment. 
But how many of you understand that when you go home, you're going to be confronted with that very thing that you just went forward to? Like, what would it look like if we had, we, like, like, what would it look like if we came up here one time and never had to come back again for that thing that we came up here from? And again, if you mess up and you fall back into it, there's grace. Move on. Don't dwell there, okay? But I'm saying there are things that the Lord desires. Like I, I thought about this the other day. I thought, I, you have no many, I, like I probably went to the altar call for, anger is not the word that's used, but I, just, I used to get just mad. But I probably went to that, or offense is probably a better way to say it. Okay, offense is probably a better way. I probably responded to altar calls about offense more than anything else. And yet I have found myself getting offended over and over and over again. How much further in my life would I be than my walk with the Lord? If I had just let him take it that first time or that 57th time. You understand what I'm saying? And it's no one's fault. It's not my wife's fault. It's not my boy's fault. It's not my parents' fault. It's not my pastor's fault at those times. It's not the preacher's fault at those times. It's what I did with what the Lord did in that moment. And so if we're going to go further in him, we're responsible for what he does in our heart, okay? And we're going to do everything. We're trying to give you as many tools as we possibly can to give you to live out this lifestyle. We are. We're trying to give you as much as we can. But ultimately, like, like if, if I handed Bob a hammer and he scratched his head with the hammer, you understand it's not fulfilling the pur- purpose of the hammer, right? I don't know if you'd do that or not. That's something I'd probably do. <laughs> and this last thing. It's it's necessary to steward encounters with intimacy and communion. That's why I kind of got ahead of myself. But verse 3 says, so remember, which means recall again, keep thinking about and respond to what you have received and heard. And so there's moments that I responded to those invitations to get rid of offense the Lord says, keep remembering those moments that you responded because I was with you in that moment. And even though you don't feel like it right now, I'm still with you in this next moment. Does that make sense? And he said, what you have received, which and a lot of things that you receive, it's like you bump into something and you're like, oh man, I really want free of this. And you grab onto it was what the word receive means. It, it means to collect. It means to put on. Heard means to listen, what you heard, okay? But, but so remember what you received and heard and Keep it. <laughs> so keep it means to keep on. Like keep on keeping on, Joe Dirt. But keep on. <laughs> Continue in a state. Guard. Watch over. Obey. And so it's like this. I, I, I really, I was reading this again this morning, and I had this picture. And it's like he get me freedom from offense. And so I'm going to high spin just that every single time the enemy comes, right? I'm guarding that with my dear life. I'm not going to let it come back. I'm not going to let it touch me. <clears throat> if, it's, if it's lust and the Lord touches you from that, right? Then, I, no, I, I'm not going back to it. I am guarding what the Lord did in my heart like it's the most precious thing that I have ever received. If it's jealousy, I'm not going to let those feelings rise up. Whatever it is, you guard it and you keep it. And how do you guard it and keep it? You go get alone with your father that's it you go get alone with him 
I, uh, I've started this phone call on Thursdays for pastors across the country where we have a time of the word and a pray. Most of them are really lonely and hurting and aren't pastoring churches that are nearly as gracious and kind as you guys are. That's just the truth. And they'll watch your services online and they'll see the kids up here with the flags or they'll hear people hooting and hollering or they'll just they'll they'll see they'll see this and they get caught up in that. And they're like, how are you doing that? And I had one just this past week call after a phone call and was offended. And I said, we're just trying to teach your people to read their Bibles and pray and spend time with the Lord. And he's like, no, 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 what, what's the, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, seriously, we're not doing a whole lot. We got an outreach this week. We got a prayer walk this week. We're about as simplistic as we possibly can. I said, we just want, and he said, well, what about, what about, and then, and then he said, well, what about the stuff you're preaching? That was the next question. What about the stuff you're preaching? Where are you coming up with that? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I go get along with him. I go get along with him. That's it. And then when I ride in my car, sometimes I turn off the radio. And I say, I'm so glad you're in a car with me. And then I turn the music back on. <laughs> it's, it's just acknowledging he's with me. And, and, and if we're going to keep experiencing what we've experienced, if we're going to, let me say that I don't want to keep experiencing what we're experiencing. I want to experience greater things. And if we're going to do that, it's, it's going to be all of us collectively spending time with him, walking with him, walking with him, walking with him in intimacy and him becoming closer than a brother, right? Or talking to him as Moses did as a friend, face to face, being like Joshua that says, oh, I know I'm supposed to cook dinner in the next 30 minutes, but you're right here sitting with me in my living room chair. I'm not moving until you lift from this moment. Like it's just getting used to that thing or like responding that the song came on and I started thinking about the Lord and I just started singing to the Lord. It's just, it's doing that. It's being faithful with those moments, church. I just don't want to squander it. I just don't want to squander it. Because ultimately, like what we've experienced has been really amazing. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really cool. I'll be honest too, doing, doing the phone call has given me such a, like I appreciate what the Lord's doing here, but it's given me a greater appreciation because I'm like, Lord's just about allowed to do whatever he wants here. <laughs> and that's not all over the place. That's not all over the place. It's just not. But I just don't want us to miss out. And if you're struggling with something now, I'm not talking about physical illnesses. I'm not talking about like lifetime. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about sin. If you're struggling with something now, I don't want you to be struggling with the same thing 10 years from now. I really don't want you struggling with it next week. 
And it's funny. Let me just give this warning about sin. I've got a few more minutes. <laughs> Lord, really help me today. I had a lot of notes. <laughs> he blessed me with brevity today. I think that's the word. Big words. Let's say that I struggle with anger, or let's say I struggle with lust. And lust isn't just the perverted view of intimacy. It could be all kinds of things. I'm lusting after money, whatever. Okay, But let's just say the Lord touches me in that. Tomorrow, something's going to come across your way. And you, and, and you start to feel it bubble up the number one mistake that you can make is you start to think that's still inside of me. Maybe that's outside trying to get back in. Because the enemy, that's in Mark 4, 15. That was the verse that I thought of in, um, goodness. 4, 15 says this. He says, these are the ones who beside the road where the word is sown and they hear and immediately Satan comes and takes the word which has been sown in them. And so that's a picture of not only do you have the responsibility to steward it, but sometimes the enemy comes and he wants to take away and it's not what you're wrestling with, it's him trying to get you to agree that you're still wrestling with what you were wrestling with. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just good. And so if something comes across, don't be like, oh... I'm the worst. You're like, no. You already paid for that, Jesus. <laughs> you, know, you could be like he did when he looked up, get behind me, Satan. Just, you know. Move forward. Don't let it suck you back down into that path. Some of us, we've had sins that happened 10, 15, 20 years ago, and we get really free, and then the enemy reminds us of those things. And he comes and steals those seeds of freedom because we start obsessing about something that happened years ago. And that's not who you are anymore. Okay? You, you know, the old is gone, the new is come. That whole thing, church. So, all right, let's just steward it. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that the Lord, I'm, I'm going to pray. I don't know what I'm going to pray. I just know I'm going to pray. And how about, how about we just stand? We'll do that. We'll just change our physical posture for just a minute. <laughs> I'm going to pray. I don't know when I'm going to pray. There's a, that's the truth, Lord. Lord, I, I would pray right now that the good work that you've started in us, that you would bring it to completion. I would pray that you would get your full reward that you paid for. I say, Lord, that no longer will we treat these moments in which you moved as something obscure or once in a blue moon thing. Or, we'll, or, or even, let, let's not treat encounters, especially here at church, as a good church service. But let's start treating them like, oh, Lord, you're inviting me into something greater and deeper than I've ever been or experienced before. Let's treat them like you're just, it's like the Lord's giving keys to open up doors that we could not get into. So I thank you, Jesus. 
I would pray that we, we strengthen what remains by stewarding it. And biblical stewardship is not holding on so we do not lose what we have. It's actually taking what we have and working with it and seeing it grow for increase. And so I thank you for that truth, Lord. I would pray right now, God, that several in the room, I say several, I'll just say nearly every person in the room has experienced you in some way, shape, or form or another over the last few years. I pray, Lord, that you would even remind them of the invitations of things that you may have invited them into six months ago, but they forgot, they didn't do it, and they forgot about it, and they're off track. I just pray you show them what you did months ago or even years ago, Lord, and you're saying you don't need to pay a price. Even though you could be further along in your walk, I'm not going to make you start all the way over. I'm going to let you start where we left off together. I say no more, no more struggling, no more falling back into old patterns. By the way, that's what most of the things, when the enemy tries to come and steal the word, what he's trying to do is it's, called, it's like a familiar spirit. It's a familiar pattern that you're used to. And so if you're starting to feel like you're tempted in something the Lord set you free from, it may not even be temptation. It may actually just be that your mind needs to be continued to be transformed and renewed because you're so used to doing the same thing over and over over and over. Hmm. There's something on that, Lord. Thank you. So help us not to fall back into those old habits. I say, Lord, send us deeper than we've ever been. Take us further than we've ever been. And may we see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven here, Jesus. Father, I thank you. I thank you. Just as my buddy Todd said, we're not going to let one seed fall to the ground. (laughs) we're not going to let one moment with you where you actually, we're not going to waste it. We're not going to squander it. We're going to to take it, run with it. We're going to protect it. We're going to guard it. We're going to do whatever we can do with it, Lord. So, Father, I thank you. I love you. And we, we just adore you this morning, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give them praise, church. Amen.